Overflow Beyond the Music is a podcast hosted by musician and pastor Josh McCabe and takes a deep dive into the life of artists, into topics of faith, family, and seasons of struggle. This podcast is presented by Overflow Ministries Group. For more information about Overflow Ministries Group, visit overflowgroup.org. Hey, what's going on, everybody? I hope it's uh, hope you're doing well wherever you're at. Uh, I'm doing great. I took a little bit of time off and have been just spending some time with family, uh, spending some time resting. It's been a crazy, busy last few months, and um, I've missed doing the podcast. I've missed doing the interviews. I've missed chatting with you guys, um, I guess, indirectly, but... Uh, I'm glad to be back with an episode today, and uh, and we'll get to that in just a moment. But I wanted to take a second and and give a huge shout out and a huge thanks to everybody at Overflow Ministries Group who's made this podcast happen. A major shout out to Kevin Birch, who is the CEO and sort of the the uh, the visionary behind Overflow Ministries Group for really believing in this podcast, and and it just kind of this all stemmed from us just getting together at a pub. Uh, a couple years ago, and, and just sharing some ideas, and and it led to this podcast, and and I'm so grateful for Kevin and his vision, and just his heart for Overflow Ministries Group. And again, if you if you want to know more about what Overflow Ministries Group is doing, um, make sure that you visit uh, the website overflowministriesgroup.org. Uh, also, a huge shout out to um, Jackie Collins, who's been involved in some of the the graphic design and just in making a lot of. Uh, a lot of this stuff work, and um, man, I just can't thank the team enough. Jeff Cato also came on board uh, sort of later on, and he's been uh, helping along the way. And, and man, I'm just I'm so thankful for Jeff and his love, and he's got some great music too. So make sure you check out Jeff Cato's music online. And um, yeah, it's been a really fun fun journey because my heart for this podcast has always been to go beyond the surface, go beyond just the music and talk about life and faith and family and the real stuff. And this podcast has given me a platform to do that and to really communicate my heart as a pastor and musician and father and husband and all that stuff. And, um, you know, I think over the last few weeks, as I've taken some time off, I've realized just in this season, especially right now in the immediate future, how much I need to really focus on, um, the church where I'm planted and the church that I'm a part of leading the worship ministry in. And, and especially during this weird time that we're facing Ontario, I feel like I need to give, um, you know, 110% to the community here and really focus in on, on them in particular. And so, um, with that, with that, you know, this is going to be my last season here at overflow beyond the music. And I'm, I'm sad because I love doing these interviews I have a lot of fun doing it, um, but I'm also feeling a bit of of relief in the sense that I, I'm not sure I have the capacity or the time or whatever to carry this further than it's gone. And so I'm going to trust it in good hands with the team at uh, OMG, which OMG is not what you think it means. Overflow Ministries Group is the acronym. Um, but I'm going to trust this with them to go and take this beyond places that I could take it and uh, I hope the message continues and and you know we have some great podcasts that we've done I'm thankful for it I'm really thankful for this journey and so thank you guys for listening thank you for just tracking with this thing if you want to just track with me as a as a person you can find me on Instagram at Josh McCaves 
That is at Josh, M-C-A-V-E-S, like Caves, like my band, at Josh McCaves, or at Caves Music is my music project, and I would love to to continue journeying together just as people because uh, this is not just about a product or a podcast. This is just about a journey together, and so... Uh, I'm pleased to welcome in a guest today. Her name is Ginny Owens. Her music transcends multiple decades. And to me, anytime somebody has longevity and is still doing music, still doing what they love, um, I want to talk to people who have been in this for a long time and and still love the Lord and still are passionate about mission, uh, the mission of music. And um, Ginny Owens is my guest today. She's got a unique story. She's been uh, legally blind since a young kid, and she's part of the Faithful Project right now, which involves some big names. We'll talk about that. But she's been writing songs for two decades now, and they've been uh, performed and and recorded by artists like J.J. Heller, Rachel Lampa, Michael W. Smith. And, And... when you hear our conversation, you'll understand why she has just such a unique and special story. And so uh, I started off our conversation by just reiterating the heart and the vision of this podcast, and that is to go beyond and talk about the story and the person. And so I shared that with Ginny and shared why I felt like she had a unique story to share. So here's my conversation with Ginny Owens. Well, thanks. <laughs> I mean, I think we all have quite the story, but I'm, I, I definitely feel like I've gotten to have a, a really unique journey, uh, and especially in music, but just in life in general. So, yeah. Well, tell me a little bit about that journey, because it, it's so funny how whenever I have a podcast planned about how we're going to get from point A to point B, that's never how we get there. Oh, of course. Yeah. That's kind of like life, I guess. But tell me a little bit about being born and raised in Jackson, Mississippi. Yeah. So I was born and raised in the Deep South. um, And I fell in love with music probably like before I was born. Um, Had some preachers in my family. So there was lots of church, lots of music. And uh, I loved it all. And so I, I started playing piano and singing, you know, when I when I was little, like before I was probably putting words together. And um, I also um, lost my sight at the age of three. And so music eventually, especially in, in um, you know, elementary and middle school and high school became kind of my way of journaling, my way of sorting out the world and making sense of really hard things like bullies at school or, you know, lonely days or, or you know, the boyfriend at the moment, whatever it is that music would um, help you, help me with. So I I uh, began writing songs. I think about the time I was seven, and I would when no one else was home, I would go sit at the piano and I would just you know write and write whatever was on my heart. Did do you remember any of those those songs? I always love to remember if people remember writing their first song. Oh, totally. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Unfortunately. Well, tell me, tell me what it was about. Do you remember any any details? What it was like? Oh, was yeah. there a feeling of accomplishment and anything like that? Yeah. Well, I remember the first song I wrote was uh, "Don't Forget the Water," "Don't Forget the Soap," "Don't Forget the Bathtub," or "You'll Have to Give Up Hope." Don't forget Christ Jesus, He who cleansed your soul, because He's the only one who can make you whole. Wow. And I Love thought that. it. Well, thanks. I thought it sounded like everything I was hearing on the radio. Like I thought it was awesome. Yeah. Nobody in my family really thought that. And so I was like, well, fine. Um, and so I, um, 
I, I think songs got a little better from there. Although when I was in middle and high school, there were a lot of songs that just said baby a lot of times in them. And, um, you know, just whatever, I was kind of mimicking whatever I would hear on the radio that that was always kind of a, a deal. Um, but I, I wrote a ton about just um, my faith and uh, what that meant. I wrote a lot I've always found even now that songs are the conversations I really wish I could have, but wow. I'm not scared. I'm not brave enough to actually have them. So I write to people in song and sing to them and then hope that somehow that will um, spark, you know, real dialogue with us. So um, even back as an elementary and middle schooler, that was a huge deal for me. I always wrote about my friends and what I wish they knew and how I would like to encourage them about certain things. So, so yeah, it's always been the way I work out everything that's going on. I mean, you talked about growing up in, in Jackson and uh, being, you know, blind by the age of three. And I think about, uh, I think about whenever I've talked to people who have, who have dealt with something like that, they've always said that, that where they've lacked in in one thing they've had abnormal strengths in other ways do, do you think you could find that uh theme in your life where maybe you didn't have your sight but there was there was something else that you were just god, god really gave you extra of something else yeah it's a good question you know i think what god does a lot of times is he he hones certain skills and gifts that we have that we might not have used otherwise. Like I always tell people, if I had been cited, I probably just would have been so like brutally independent and like just always, I mean, I'm already independent and driven. And so I think I would have probably left people behind and been dismissive a lot. And, um, you know, I think being blind means that you learn some different things along the way. Like you learn how to listen very well. Um, so I, I love to listen. I mean, I, I love to learn who people are and learn their stories by listening. And I also feel like it gives me a sense of where people are, like, you know, what kind of day they're having or, you know, what kind of struggle they might be going through just by listening. So I feel like that is a gift that um, God has given me that, that I probably wouldn't have taken time for um, had I been able to see. Um, but I also think, you know, sort of the, maybe the negative side is um, when you have a disability, you are uh, unseen a lot by people like either you're ignored or dismissed as kind of useless or, you know, people kind of think maybe uh, you don't have anything to offer them or that maybe they're scared of you a little bit. And so they stay away. And so you learn what it feels like to feel unseen. Uh, but what you also, what I've also learned is that people that don't have external challenges, physical challenges also feel that way at times. And so I do feel like a gift that God has given me is to be able to see people and to, you know, hear where they are and yeah. kind of hear um, and and kind of let them know, like with encouragement or with songs or with listening or whatever, that I do see them. So I feel like those are two, um, two ways that he has really um, blessed me. Well, you know, I think in our, our culture today, um, I think about just the fear of offense that yeah. we live in and even doing, doing this interview, you know, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, like, I, I want to be, I don't want to ask a question that's offensive, but I want to hear your perspective of as people interact with you or as you um, are visiting places, ministering or, or writing, like, 
what what is that journey like from your side because i think maybe in our culture we love to get offended for other people or <laughs> don't you find that yeah you know we i kind of think no matter who we are we have just yeah we're in an age of offense you're right we're we're offended even we're offended by the people that get offended by everything you know like we just right. there's this kind of pervasive victim mentality. And um, I do think one of the things that is so unique about being a Christian or should be is that we look at Christ and we hear from, you know, the Old Testament and prophets like Isaiah all the way through the stories of Jesus and then through, you know, all the letters that that follow those stories that Jesus was just offended. Like uh, people did things to him, abused him, uh, degraded him, certainly on the cross. They humiliated him, took all his clothes, laughed at him. Um, and he did not open his mouth is what Isaiah tells us. And so I think there's something to be learned in that because the the beauty as Christians is we get to enter into Christ's suffering. Like if we suffer uh, an offense, no matter how difficult it might be, we also get to know that Christ suffered those offenses. And so we're we're not we're not suffering them alone and we're not we're not kind of cutting new ground like new a new path like he has come before us and walked through those things and so we can trust him uh no matter what suffering we're facing and uh, and we can just know that we're walking with with a god that says i've been there too and i have walked through this pain as well and i feel like that just changes my response because i i definitely am a person that thinks, gosh, that thing that happened is not fair. Or when somebody, you know, dismisses me or excludes me, it hurts, of course. Um, but then I just have to think about who who is Jesus for me? You know, like what pain did he endure on my behalf and on your behalf? And as I can, the more I can kind of meditate on that, the more it, it actually changes my reaction to other people. And I think, you know, what would it be like to respond in love like he constantly did or sometimes to respond in in silence like he also did so i just think the idea of a perfect god man suffering for us kind of demolishes the idea that i can hold a grudge against anybody well i think that's beautiful wisdom because um you know especially in today's culture i i don't think we realize i mean i think it was uh Beth Moore or, um, oh my goodness, I can't believe I'm think, not remembering her name. Um, she is a world-renowned speaker. Uh, oh my gosh. It's going to drive me nuts because my wife <laughs> loves her, and she's on TV all the time. And um, anyways, I remember her saying that it's like unforgiveness and holding grudges is like eating rat poison, expecting the other person to die. Yes, I've heard that before too. And, yeah. it's, and that is just so true of our culture yeah. today, that we have it a is. lot of people like – Rat poison is flying off the shelves right now. <laughs> it is. And, and you know, I think about this a lot. So I'm in, in my last year of seminary right now. Wow. Okay. And uh, we talk about this sort of thing because this is where we are in the world. But one of the things that is such a gift about being a Christian mm -hmm. is that if we really step back, we go, this is a time when we actually get to show that we're different. And even for Christians, a lot of times our, our sort of MO is to be like, oh no, this is wrong, this is wrong. Well, there are many things that are wrong, but what would it look like to forgive, to visibly forgive, to be kind, to be full of the joy? I mean, because the truth about Christianity is if we believe in Christ, 
and Paul, Paul knew this really well because of all the terrible things he had done before he became a Christian, mm-hmm. then you're a living, breathing miracle if you know Christ, right? Like your yeah. life has been so changed. And so I do think when you think of yourself as a miracle, when you think of yourself as being lifted up from the darkest place yeah. to this place of greatness and this great, this place of like eternal glory, oh my gosh, then you can live differently in the world. And so I feel like one of the things I am so wrestling with and enjoying though, thinking about right now is how, okay, so how do we look different as Christians? How do we uh, be engaged and enact that light in the world that, that, that Jesus was? How do we do that now? So yes, yes. And amen to everything you're saying. I was, uh, I was taking some time just to reflect upon um, busyness lately and how in the course of being constantly busy, we can almost lose our, our creative space, you know, that, that, that going up the mountaintop type thing, um, where like, I think about when Jesus performed the miracle, um, of feeding the 5,000, everyone wants to celebrate and he just retreats up the mountainside. And, Mm -hmm. and I think that in the business of our culture, um, you know, I think I, even as we've been in this pandemic situation, I know so many artists that that felt like, OK, now I've got all this time. So now I need to like be productive on it. And we end up just churning and just running and like hamsters yeah. on a wheel. And yeah. I've kind of looked I was just looking over your catalog and you, you have, you know, you've kind of came onto the scene like new artists of the year in the year 2000. And um, but sporadically over the last, I don't know five, seven years, there's been sporadic bursts of music here, music there. Uh, Has that just kind of been your flow of not trying to pressure anything or just, just writing and recording as it comes? Yeah. Yeah. And we, um, I have, I have had some seasons, like I had a season where I was doing a lot more teaching of songwriting and worship leading. And then I guess since uh, 2016, we've been releasing because of this kind of new streaming world. You know, I I kind of came into this music thing when we were still doing CDs, so it was a lot right. easier to to even write about CDs in a bio because you're like this CD came out and then this one. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like for instance, over the last few years, we've released a few different EPs. And we've done a pretty steady stream of music, um, but we do it more like singles. So like one at a time every three or four months um, has come out. And so, um, yeah, part of that has been just um, wanting to continue to, uh, you know, share music and speak life and hope into people's lives. And and then also it's been because I'm in school. And so it's like, you know, we... um, this has kind of been the best way to do it, but um, I have just released a couple of EPs uh, called Expressions One and Two in the past year, and then I have a new, oh, my first actual worship EP that comes out mid-May. So, so we're we're on the music train right now. But but yeah, I I think what I have learned is that there's a season for everything, and I've also learned just having been on the road for so many years that that we really do have to. Um, decide and keep speaking to to ourselves what's important. So if I get my priorities out of whack, then all of my life, especially my creativity is going to suffer. Um, and so that means, you know, friends and family and um, 
studies and walks in the park, it, you know, those things have to come first and then, and then music after that. So it makes the music better, I think. Well, it's funny. I was, yeah, you're right. Like I look now as I scroll down even further on Spotify, I see all of the, um, all the EPs and, and all the releases. And I just look at all, all these EPs and albums and live versions and, uh, acoustic versions and Christmas songs and all this, all this stuff. And then I see all these names. I see Mike Weaver. I see all sons and daughters. And then also reading about some of the writing journey you've had. Talk to me about one of the artists in, and maybe it's, maybe it's too long of a span to say like in your whole career, but maybe talk about a special moment that, that impacted you. Um, Cause I, I, I'll just yeah. say it this way. I remember I drove around, Ontario with Martin Smith of Delirious for a week oh, ministering fun. with him. And it was the most impactful moment of my life. And he would say things that I'm like writing these things down. Like that is good wisdom, but yeah. yet he doesn't even realize it. Tell me about what some of those moments have been like for you. Oh man. Well, gosh, there've been tons of those. Um, I would say, so like when I was growing up, I grew up listening to people like Michael W. Smith uh, a little bit here and there, and then Amy Grant. Uh, and so when I started making music and got to spend time with them and hear their life experiences and hear their wisdom, but, but especially at that point, like I feel like I know them better now, but even at that point, just hear their humility and watch the way that they treated other people. Like I remember um, one thing that really impacted me early on, I was a part of um, when Michael W. Smith started making worship albums and he had the the one that had like, um, oh, uh, I can't, uh, I can't think of any. I can't think of any of the names right now. I can sing them all, but his yeah, very yeah. first uh, worship album that he recorded live, um, I think it was maybe just called Worship. Yeah, and, I think it was just Worship, and then I think yeah. there was like Worship too. And worship <laughs> now, and then Worship some more. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. and so uh, Amy was there uh, for that project, and I had just started out in the in the world in the big world of music, and I remember someone came up to Amy and they were like, "Will you take a picture with us?" And she took a picture with them and, and they were like, we thought you had left God. We thought you had gone away forever, but we're, well, I guess you're, since you're here, you're back. It was just the rudest thing. And I was ready to like go off on, on them for her. Yeah. She was so gracious. And she said, no, I have never left. I have always been here. And just, I don't even remember what all she said. I just remember her kindness as she dealt with um, people that really were maybe even not meaning to be unkind, but they absolutely were. So I feel like I've seen things like that. And then there've been other, other artists, like just throughout my career that I've gotten to spend time with everybody from, oh gosh, like Mike Weaver, as you mentioned, and Ellie Holcomb. I remember having a great discussion with Ellie Holcomb about the importance of memorizing scripture, just how hard it is to do, but how necessary. And she told me about a friend of hers who battles anxiety and depression and how together they would memorize scriptures. And she, both of them found that any, anything they were facing, you know, as they would speak those scriptures over themselves, that it would really 
change where they were. And um, yeah. I, I certainly have continued to learn that. But but I mean, there have been so many. I um, kind of like your story with Martin Smith. I've done some events with a guy named Michael Card who wrote, uh, he, he's, he's been writing lots and lots of books over in the recent years, but he yeah. wrote a lot of Amy and Michael W's early, you know, earlier hits. So, um, and he is just he's just a wise human being so i every time we've been on the road i just kind of take notes while he's talking most of the time but but there are tons of experiences like that um i feel like when you meet people who do what you do and they can be vulnerable about their challenges and the joys that come with what they're doing it, it just it kind of frees you up to do the same so it's it's really been sweet to to spend some time with different folks yeah and, and i think that that along the way, we can probably point to moments when you work with people that you adapt things from. I know as a worship leader, there was there's a few people that you know you, you don't realize that you're starting to emulate, but um, there's there's little things that you just take and and you still be yourself. But um, I think that the art of collaboration is is so important. Yes, oh, it is absolutely. I I think too. When you are a creative, uh, at least most of us, including me, you're you're rather introverted. So collaboration is not where you go. You know, you're kind of like, I want to do this myself. Right. I want to climb this mountain on my own, whether that's learning a new song or writing a new song or whatever it is. Uh, you know, and you don't really want to be vulnerable with someone else. At least I found that to be the case for me in the past. And so um, one of the things I have really learned to value, I would say in the last, uh, especially in the last maybe 10 years, is just... Um, collaboration um and just how uh hearing like i was saying a minute ago hearing other people's um vulnerability helps me to be vulnerable uh but hearing what they've learned maybe in the scriptures has helped you know helped give me insight uh, and then i also just when you're trying to do lots of different things like say be in school and write big you know research papers that are just so overwhelming it's really great if you can have a fellow songwriter uh, when you're when you're getting ready to write your music because it's just going to go a whole lot faster. I mean, I've had songs in in my distant past where I've spent you know three four months writing a song by myself, and I feel like gone are the days. Life is just too short, so there might be a few of those that need to still happen. But for the most part, I really enjoy collaborating and what I can learn from others and in, in that collaboration. Well, I'm sure that uh, we'll get a chance to talk about. Um school in a second because because i uh i was doing school while on the road in my early days through liberty online but we'll talk about that oh, in, cool. a, in a minute um we talked about just collaboration there and as i look at uh this new project faithful uh i'm just reading some of the authors involved Ann voskamp lisa harper uh jenny owens yourself sarah mcintosh uh kelly needham rachel myers savannah like just Tons of names on the book side of things. And then I scroll down to the Faithful Music Project and I look at Ellie Holcomb, Amy Grant, uh, Rachel Lampa, Christy Knuckles, Leslie Jordan. And and as I was reading about how this thing came together, you guys had gathered together to do some writing. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about what that experience was like and and looking around the room of, yeah. of everyone's got something to add to this. Uh, tell me a little bit about that experience. 
Yeah, it's crazy. Um, well, so a few years ago, maybe I think it was in 2015, I was having a meeting with my manager. We were just kind of dreaming about the future and what kind of projects we'd like to do. And I think it was his idea, even in that meeting, he, he was just, we started talking about like, what would it be to bring uh, a group of female artists together and, you know, maybe create an event. At that point, we're thinking, what if it's like a night, like a concert, you know, or maybe we do multiple concerts. And I was like, that's a really cool idea, but it feels so impossible, like getting everyone scheduled together and who do we choose and how does it work? And he ran with it, um, even as we dreamt about it. And he um, started talking to one of our friends, Keely, at Compassion International. And she was like, oh, that's a great idea. What if we do that and add authors? <laughs> <laughs> and so then we talked to our friend uh, Andrew over at Integrity, and he was like, "Yeah, that's a great idea. Let's make music." So, um, so I don't know how. So they kind of ran with it from there, the three of them, and somehow sent out a bunch of invites to different uh, artists that they knew. I think just we started with our circles in in Nashville, and yeah. um, just said, "Hey, here's some dates. Would you be up for getting together and talking about what this thing could be?" So we had a lunch meeting one day, and just kind of all got together and talked about could we write songs together? What would this be? And what it ended up turning into was, I believe, three different two day camps where we we got together and we did writing together and eating and laughing and reading through the stories of uh, women in the Bible and what God taught them, what he teaches us through them, what he teaches us about ourselves, um, what he teaches us about himself. And so um, what was really cool was there were a lot of authors involved in those writing sessions. So writers, so it'd usually be like one or two songwriters and one or two authors in each session. So like maybe somewhere between, you know, two and four folks in a room. Mm -hmm. And we would explore a, a study, a person from the Bible, kind of look at their life and just kind of get inspired to write a song. And then at the end of each camp, we would get together We'd have dinner in this one big room and we would play. This was all pre-COVID. Um, well, most of it was pre-COVID. Mm -hmm. And we would um, we'd eat a great dinner and then we'd play these songs for each other, which was so special. Um, so we'd, you know, play our instruments and just kind of tell the story behind the song and um, play the songs that we had collectively written. And so after, you know, three, three camps of that, we had enough songs for like, two albums um wow. so that was a really really cool event and i think part of it like like i was saying earlier it's just that um that invitation to be vulnerable and say hey this is me this is where i really am uh that that we got to give to each other um because we all you know love jesus but we all and we all also do music. So we all have this very similar uh, thread in our lives. And the thing that, you know, a lot of people don't realize, I guess, is that when you are on the road, uh, you know, you, it can get very lonely because you don't really see many people or talk to many people that do what you do and know what that feels like. So to be in a room full of people that actually do know what that feels like was really special. And then to kind of just write together. It just really had us, we had a very special connection in that process. You talked a little bit about, and as I was reading up on the Faithful Project, that you focused in on on certain women in the Bible. Is, right. that, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, we did. So who, 
who was it that resonated with you and and maybe give us don't give the whole thing away because we want to want to make sure that people are getting the book and reading the whole thing but tell me about who stuck out to you and was it that kind of feeling like i i have to dive into the story oh yeah well there's there were so many um So one of the songs I wrote was with uh, Sandra McCracken and Trillian Newbell, and it was called At This Very Time. And one of the really cool things in that story is this, we, it was inspired by the story of, a- of Sarah and Abraham. And God is saying, I think for the second time, oh, well, this time, at this very time next year, you're going to have a son. And she's laughing. And he's like, is anything too hard for the Lord? And, you know, I just love the idea of God saying that to her and God saying that to us, you know, like, yeah. is it really, is anything too hard for the Lord? Um, and so that was a really, cause that was just a part of the story that I um, hadn't thought about in a while. And I just really took that with me uh, in the book. I wrote about Hannah and I love what Hannah teaches us about being honest with our grief and the things that look uglier even to us than grief, like bitterness and uh, anger. And, you know, Hannah, um, Hannah tells Hannah is, is having a really rough life. When we meet her, she can't have children, which is terrible in, in our society, but in her society, it meant she had no value as a human being. And, you know, she's, she's one of two wives that never is going to go well in any society ever. And so her, so the other wife is always just picking on her and abusing her. And she's truly a victim. She's just misunderstood by the world and has gone through lots of abuse. And so she goes to pray and she does, she's not polite. She, she is, uh, well, she's not polite in that she does not hold back from God, but instead she prays from her longing for a son. But she also, as she tells Eli, she pours out her bitterness and her anguish to Mm. God. And I love that because that, I think that's what we miss. We don't pour out all the things that are in our hearts, even though the Psalms, you know, give us license to do that. We don't pour out everything that is in our hearts to God. But what we see is beyond that prayer, she is changed. Like Mm -hmm. she has a son, she gives him back, but she's still hopeful. She's still full of joy. Um, She's still kind of found that strength is coming, not from her, but from the one within her. And, um, so that, I, I love that story. I go back to that story again and again. When, um, when I think about, you know, have you actually, have you watched any of the chosen? I haven't yet. I need to, I can't believe I haven't I, with school. I'm just always like, I can't watch anything. I have to study. So I do need to watch it. Do you like it? Have you enjoyed it? So I've only, I only watched the premiere that was on Easter Sunday, uh, this you know, past weekend of the oh, that's the second season, season right? Yeah, so I haven't seen okay. the first one yet. My wife is so into it, and and we're gonna sit down and watch it. I mean, it it, it does feel strange, like that we're excited about date night to be watching <sighs> biblical of, movies. You know, yeah, like, totally. But it speaks about where where Christian, I mean, quote unquote, Christian themed. Uh, I. You know that's such a loaded term sometimes, but right. where Christian media has gotten today, that uh, there's some wonderful stuff being created. Sure, absolutely. And absolutely. Um, you've uh, you've just put out a new song, uh, "Sing in the Darkness," and yep. tell me a little bit about uh, the process of recording that song, and then we'll talk about um, 
singing in the dark uh the book that goes along with that as well yeah totally um well i recently got to make my first ever kind of praise slash modern hymn uh album and that comes out mid-may so may 14th um and it's called sing hope in the darkness so it's based on the book i mean it's from themes in the chapters of my book which is called singing in the dark all the singing in the dark I, you know i feel like um well we're living in a dark time right <laughs> Right. For so yeah. many reasons. I mean, the pandemic, but endless other reasons too, just with unrest and social media and everyone's yelling at each other. Mm-hmm. But even if that's not our darkness, you know, there's so many other darknesses that we experience, whether it's like our, um, you know, maybe living with a terminal illness or living with a disability that gets in the way of things that we'd like to do, or maybe it's just the lack of clarity and the confusion that we live with. That can be darkness. Yeah. Um, and so, Everything in the book and the music is about that idea of just what does it look like to to be able to sing through that darkness. Um, so sing in the darkness is, is really a song about that and just knowing that God is faithful and present with us through that darkness. And he actually does want to teach us uh, wonderful things in the midst of those hardships. Like they, the beautiful thing about being a person of with Christian faith is that we know that no darkness just is ever in vain. Like there's no experience we ever have that will not um, have something uh, to deepen us uh, in this life or, or in the next, but, but every experience is for good. So, um, so every song and uh, the book are all about that theme of just what it, what it means to, to, sing, uh, which I would say is is the idea of, of finding deep joy uh, in the midst of the darkness. So, oh, and we record, you asked about the process. We recorded it in Nashville. It was um, so cool because it was at the beginning of the year. Um, I've, I live in New York City, so I go back to Nashville usually to make my music still. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, I haven't being in New York. I haven't gotten to see all that many people. And I, um, we recorded, uh, basically live at the art house, which is a large studio. So we could get all the musicians in there and we recorded the whole album there. And then we had folks sing on it with me, which is really fun. It's the first time I've done like a group sing like that. So it was a really, really special project to record. Uh, what's it, what's it been like being in New York? Uh, I mean, we're, I'm in Canada, so we're okay. even, we're even further, uh, I guess, um, I don't know. I haven't seen people even more than you haven't seen. People, uh, okay. But, gotcha. Uh, yeah. Tell me, tell me like what, what about New York is, is felt like home to you? Well, um, I, I will say one of the things that's felt like heaven is going to central park and, uh, even during the darkest days of the pandemic, when you go to Central Park and there, there are people from, you know, every nation, tribe and tongue yeah. <laughs> in the park, you know, playing, laughing, their kids are, you know, drawing on the sidewalk or playing, I don't know, hopscotch or whatever kids play and just having a blast. And uh, I don't know, it always just felt very, very sweet and just a reminder that there's, you know, there's a bigger picture to remember. There are people everywhere going through the same thing that I'm going through. So, um, and then we've had um, in New York, our, our church has uh, some really cool things. Like we have a morning prayer call every, well, five, I guess six days a week, every day, but Saturday. And I've been a part of that since the beginning of the pandemic. And just to pray for each other, 
to watch as lives are changed, to watch yeah. as people are freed from COVID. It's just been a really sweet experience. Um, but but yeah, New York's been unusually quiet. It, not today. There's jackhammers outside. Sorry about that. Oh, it's totally fine. <laughs> but um, it's starting to get a lot noisier now that you know people are kind of moving back into the world. So so we're getting there. But it's it's been a very unique experience for sure. Well, well, there's four things I want to highlight as as we kind of you know bring this to a close. We've got the faithful book project um, and the album that goes along with it. Um, songs and stories from women celebrating God's faithfulness, and uh, that is going to be out May first. But also, um, your your newest single called "Sing in the Darkness" um, mm -hmm. from the upcoming album, and then uh, "Sing in the Dark: Finding Hope in the Songs of Scripture." And uh, we'll make sure to put all those in our show notes so that you can get a link and check out all those, as well as following Ginny awesome. on Instagram and all the social medias. But as we as we kind of close this off, you talked about you know, wanting to bring hope for people that are feeling like they're in the dark right now. And it, it has been yeah. a dark season and feels like we might be coming out of it. Um, yeah. For our Canadian listeners, uh, Ontario, our province where we live, has just gone into another stay at home lockdown order and kids mm -hmm. are home from school and it, and it feels like we may never get out. So how would you encourage people right now that feel like they're in the midst of the dark and mm -hmm. finding it tough to find a song of hope to sing or any song to sing right now in this season? Yeah. You know, I would just encourage you to do, to not look too far ahead, look at the next moment and do the simple things. Um, if we can't sing songs, we have to, if we can't sing songs on our own. We have to find, we have to find songs, maybe being sung for us or sung over us. And I, I do think one very key place we go for those is to the Psalms. Um, one of the things that I love and I've really loved thinking about over the course of this pandemic is that everybody who writes to us in the Bible has written from a deep place of experience, like a deep place of suffering. I mean, those psalmists, they didn't have mm, Western culture lives, you know, they went through really hard stuff, like literal enemies pursuing them with whatever they didn't have guns, I guess, but, you know, spears yeah. and things. Yeah. I mean, really hard stuff. So when they say um, the Lord is, is my light and my salvation, or when they say he is my refuge and strength, they know what they're speaking of. So I think part of it is, is finding those songs and just letting them become part of us, reading them again and again until they take root in our lives and, and asking the Holy Spirit to make that happen which he is so willing to do and eager to do in our lives and then i think also it's connecting even if it's with one person that can help you you know in in singing that can help you uh have joy maybe it's just having a conversation and then having another one you know tomorrow or the next day yeah but it's doing those small things um where we you know put ourselves in places where we can be encouraged. It's it's watching your your podcast. You know, it's it's doing the things that will help encourage us and help point us um, toward Christ. Um, I think those are, you know, just like anything else, we got to take steps out of the darkness, and or we got to just take steps through the darkness and and reach for others and reach for hope um, in all in all the places where hope actually can be found. Right. So so yeah, that's what that's definitely what I would say. 
Well, we really appreciate you encouraging us with that. We really appreciate the fact that you've taken the time to not only um, take the time to write, but to to be in seminary and do the study so you can, you know, write from not uh, from, you know, a place of even deeper knowledge, because I'm sure as you as you can attest, the the more you study scripture uh, and the more you study the things of God and the person of Jesus, um, you realize John was right, like the you know, there wouldn't be enough space to hold all the books to, to share of it. Yes. I actually just read that this morning and I was like, oh, I love that so much. Yeah. He couldn't have possibly shared everything. So yes, that is a beautiful, and it's beautiful when we just think about um, all that Jesus did when he came to earth. And, um, and then he said, okay, now it's your turn. So we want it to be the same for us that there are not enough books that can or that can possibly be written about, you know, how we have loved and served other people well. Well, I mean, speaking of the chosen, that was literally a scene where John is sitting there writing scripture, talking to someone saying, you know, could you what help me remember some of these things so I can write them down? And someone says, John, there wouldn't be enough books to contain. And he goes, Ooh, that's good. It's kind of this picture, you know, it's not necessarily exactly how he wrote it, but it's this picture of of how he might have been inspired. And yes. um, I want to thank you for continuing to inspire us to, in, to continue to inspire people everywhere um, that even in dark days, there there is a song to be sung. And so Ginny uh, Owens right here on Overflow Beyond the Music. And I want to close this podcast with listening to the song Sing in the Darkness. You can get it everywhere right now. It's the new single out and we'll make sure to put some links for the books as well. This is Sing in the Darkness by Ginny Owens right here on Overflow Beyond. Thanks for checking out today's episode of Overflow Beyond the Music. For past episodes and more information about Overflow Ministries Group, visit overflowbtm.com. Hey.